really define prayer simply as prayer is a conversation with God. God is not some uh, vending machine that you press like A5 and your chips may or may not get stuck in the thing and so you keep asking him again and again and again. God is someone that we can have a conversation with. And so we've talked about prayer as a conversation and the different ways that God speaks to us. And so we've talked about God speaking through music, God speaking through creation, God speaking through his word. And today we're going to take a, a minor pause and we're going to talk about being together in prayer. Now, I don't know if you can see that. Uh, yep, you can. It's in color. That is great. Uh, this is the basketball team that I coach. It's Ava's team. Uh, they are the unicorns. You might see that on the back of their jerseys. Um, anyone who's involved in sport at any level uh, understands that in a team sport, one person does not matter as much as every person on the team. That it, you can have a team of superstars, but if they're all playing for themselves, it is completely useless, right? Uh, whereas if you're playing as a team, amazing things can happen. And so at the beginning of this year, we had a whole bunch of individuals who thought they were half decent at basketball. Uh, that proved not to be the case, um, and which is great because they're all in year one, right? They're not supposed to be NBA basketball stars, uh, right? But over the last three terms, uh, we have built a team, not of individuals, but a team. And so the hope is, and it's not there yet, but the hope is that whoever is on the court at a particular point in time would play for the team. So it doesn't matter if our star player is on the bench, right? What matters is that we're a team. It doesn't matter if someone's injured, they'll still show up at the game and they'll cheer on the team. And I say all this because today we're going to talk about being together in prayer. Prayer, as we've defined it, is a conversation with God. We deliberately didn't define it as an individual conversation with God. Because on one hand, it is about me and God or you and God. But on the other hand, as we read through the New Testament, it comes abundantly clear that God has far bigger intentions for these conversations than just an individual relationship. And so that's what we're going to talk about. And I'm today just going to read through a few passages, make a few points, and then we're going to practice together, praying together. I know that might sound funny for some of you, and some people are already stressed. I don't like praying out loud. I'm not going to force, we're not forcing people to do that. Uh, but the intention is that we would be one together in prayer. And so I'll explain that a bit later. But here we go. This is the first one. This is Acts. And these will all come from Acts. Apologies if you can't read the orange there. It says this, and this is after Jesus has ascended into heaven. And they're just waiting around, right? It says this, they, they all join together. There's no individuals here. They're all together. They all join together constantly in prayer. Right up front we see it. They all join together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. It is a group time of prayer. Next one. A bit further down, Acts 1, 23 to 25. Judas has obviously written himself off as a leader. They need new leadership. Uh, and so they nominate two people. There's a voting process going on, right? And here it is. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Basabbas, also known as Justice, and Mathis. 
And then they prayed. Emphasis, they prayed. They prayed. Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. A bit further on. Notice it's almost every chapter in Acts. Acts 2, they devoted themselves. Again, this is a community of 3,000 people now. Just imagine 3,000 people in a, in, a, a, in a space. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. It's a communal activity. Let's fast forward a tiny bit more. Acts 4, 23 to 31. Peter and John are arrested for speaking about the name of Jesus. Things don't go well uh, for anyone who's speaking about the name of Jesus instead of Caesar in this time. People are getting upset. The religious leaders are getting upset. And here we have this story. On their release from prison, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. They raised their voices together in prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. And here's their prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants collectively to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Verse 31, after they prayed. It's not one person praying, it's not the leader at the front, it's after they prayed. The place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. It's a collective, collective prayer. Fast forward another chapter, Acts 6. They're choosing leadership now. They're, this thing's gotten bigger than Ben-Hur. They need different leaders and different levels of responsibility now, right? And so they're, they're at the leadership level. They're trying to pray who are the right people for the role. This is Acts 6. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer. All of a sudden, here's the leaders together in prayer. It's not just one leader leading the thing from the front, praying every now and again. No, the leadership team is saying, we're going to give our time and attention to prayer together. This proposal pleased the whole group. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Spirit. And they also chose Philip and Prinocus and... Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and it sounds like Parmigiana and uh, Nicholas from Antioch and they presented these men to the apostles who collectively prayed and laid their hands on them. It's a collective prayer of the leadership. Acts 8, 
all of a sudden God's word had gone to the next area. Jesus had said, it'll go from Jerusalem to Samaria to the ends of the earth, right? And all of a sudden we're in Samaria now. And here we are. And the apostles in Jerusalem, when they heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. And when they arrived, what did they do? They prayed. Peter and John, here's two people now praying together, right? Peter and John, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. Fast forward again. Acts 12. King Herod is arresting people now. It's not going great for these disciples, right? They're getting arrested, they're getting thrown in prison, all sorts of things. And it was about this time that King Herod arrested someone who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And when he saw that this met approval with the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter as well. And this happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And after arresting Peter, he put him in a prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four. So 16 people are guarding this guy, right? And Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church, this is now 5,000 plus people, right? But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. It's not an individual issue. The church together is praying to God for Peter. Continues. Oh, sorry. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He, he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. But the chains fell off Peter. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was, that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of the one street, suddenly the angel left him. And then Peter came to himself and he said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. And when that had dawned on him, this would have been quite an awakening, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Martha, where many people had gathered and were praying. They hadn't stopped, where many people were gathered and were praying. Acts 13. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manic, all these people. And while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work of which I have called them. So again, it's, it's a leadership task. We're anointing people and appointing people for something. We want to make sure they're the right people for the role. Let's pray about it. Let's do it. And so verse 3, so after they had fasted and prayed, again, they, it's not an individual thing. After they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. That's awesome. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. 
Then they returned to Lystra and all these other cities, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to return, to remain true to the faith. We must go through hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church with prayer and fasting and committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. I hope you're getting it by now, but it's not an individual continues Acts 20. Now I commit to you to God and to the word of his grace, this is Paul speaking, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I've not coveted anybody's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. And when Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. Acts 21. After we'd torn ourselves away from them, we put out to sea and headed straight for Kos. The next day we went to Rhodes and there, from there to Patera. We found a ship crossing to that place and went on board and set sail. And after sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria. We landed at Tyre where our ship was to unload its cargo. We sought out the disciples there and stayed with them seven days. Though, uh, sorry, through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. When it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. All of them, including wives and children, accompanying us out of the city, and there on the beach, we knelt to pray. We knelt to pray. And after saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship and they returned home. Together in prayer. It's an invitation to something more than what we currently experience. I have a weekly call with my best friend uh, on a Friday morning and we have the joy of praying with each other as I'm walking the dog by the beach uh, as I walk back home. Uh, there is just a beauty and a richness to praying with him, someone who knows me, someone who knows all of what I've gone through, just praying together, being united in spirit. And God's invitation to us as a congregation, as a people, is to be together in prayer. And that can look like two people, that can look like the leadership team, which the leaders will pray for this church every single week. You will see most of the leaders in that prayer room praying. Once a month, the leaders will spend probably about an hour praying at the start of a deacon's meeting for this church and the people here. All the time, the leaders are praying, right? which is super encouraging. Or it might be as we gather together in prayer, maybe it's in a small group, maybe it's out the back, if we need prayer, whatever it is, praying together is a beautiful gift. And God's invitation to us is not simply to have a relationship with him, which is an amazing gift, but to, to do life together, to interact with God together. Sasha and I, when he was doing his music uh, week, uh, all throughout that next week, all these songs came into my mind and I just messaged him and we were mutually encouraging one another. And I think that's the image that I have, just mutual encouragement. Let's 
continually praying, we're building one another up, we're, we're continually leading each other towards more of who God is for us. I think it's a beautiful thing. I compare it somewhat to a marriage. Uh, when you think about marriage, you're not just individuals anymore. Two become one. And all of a sudden, the question is not what's good for me, the question is what is good for us. What is the right decision for us together? It, it's not about selfishness. It's about honoring the other person and them honoring you in, in such a way that you're trying to build something as imperfect human beings, right? And so as we come with our own individual relationships with God and come together, we can share a life that is much richer. We can encourage each other when we're down. We can encourage each other when everything's going great. We can pray for one another when we're in need. 